If you'll stand with me this morning for the reading of God's word, we're going to be in the book of Galatians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be in verses 16 through 26, and so I'll be reading this if you just want to kind of listen. Um, if you, again, if you have your Bibles or if you want to pull them up on your smartphone, Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26, just to give you a quick recap, we are in the book of Galatians, we've been in this since, the, since May, and we are now nearing the end. And what has happened is Paul's been writing to a group of churches that's in a region that's in Asia Minor. So it's not like to a specific church or to a specific even city. He's writing to a region. He had preached in this area. He would preached the gospel. The people had accepted it. And then he kind of moved on. And in his absence, false teachers had come in. And they've been preaching something that is absolutely not true. They've been telling them that in order to be saved, you have to not only have faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done, but you have to become a Jew. By that, that would mean like circumcision, coming underneath the Mosaic law, that in essence, you have to earn your salvation. This whole book has been a fiery book, and Paul has been writing to them ardently speaking against this false teaching. And so last week we noticed he's, he's starting to make this shift from just teaching about what the right thing to believe is to now how do we live out that. And we're going to dive into that today. And it says this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. Anybody ever felt that before? Like you knew the right thing to do, but then there was also like, it was kind of like, you know, like in the old cartoons, you've got like the demon on one shoulder and the angel on the other, you know, not, like, like anytime you walk into a restaurant and it says wet paint, don't touch. And you're like, mm, I want to touch it. <laughs> is it still wet? It's kind of like that. Like there's this, this war that is going on inside us, but he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness and orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit would rest in this room, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would shape, that you would mold us, that you would make us more like you. Father, we want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our lives. God, would you grow these things inside us as we look to the gospel, as we are shaped and molded by your love, God, would you in turn grow in us a life that reflects Jesus and his character. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you grab a seat, if you turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think in your personal opinion is the best fruit you've ever tasted. The best fruit you've ever tasted.
And if you're like me, none is also an acceptable answer. <laughs> I'm joking. There's a couple of fruit I like. Not many, but <laughs> I like more fruit than I do vegetables. So that, that's saying something. I, I want to start today by talking about desiring growth. I, I think we all naturally, we have a desire to grow. Um, we want to become different. We want to grow in our relationship with God. Or we want to grow becoming um, a better husband or a better wife or a better whatever. There's just natural desire in us to continue to grow and become um, different people. And so what we find in this situation is that in, the, in the, the Galatian church, part of the reason that they got into the mess that they were in was they had a very good desire, but they pursued it from the wrong direction. They desired to grow in their relationship with God. Um, they had heard the gospel from Paul. They had seen and experienced life change. They had watched as stories were starting to be altered in their churches, as people were being completely changed and, and transformed by the gospel. They had a hunger and desire for God and the things of God. They wanted to grow in their faith. And one of the reasons that they chose and they kind of went after this false doctrine stemmed from this good heart desire. They wanted to continue to grow. And so along come these teachers, these false teachers after Paul leaves, and they kind of dangle something that could help them grow. They're saying to them, hey, you want to be a really good Christian? You, you want to grow in your faith? Well, let me tell you something. You're not really fully saved just yet. It, it's not just by faith in, in what Christ has done. Like Paul said, I mean, he was a well-intentioned guy, but he didn't really know what he was talking about. So we'll tell you, you, you need to become a Jew. There's some things that you, you, you can do that will create in you a stronger sense of purpose and and you'll you'll get closer to god and, and if you if you accept circumcision and and you come underneath the mosaic law you can earn god's love by what you do and so for these new believers in the galatian church they're desiring growth and suddenly it looks like there's something that's available well i can make this growth happen if I come underneath the law and I start doing these things, I can grow in me a greater relationship with God. So these teachers come in and they're basically saying, hey, we have the missing ingredient that's going to help you grow. You need to come back to the law to be saved. You need to come back to a place of the things that you can do. And the Galatians saw in this false gospel the ability to grow. And so they mistakenly latched onto it. But the question we have to ask ourselves is this, though. What are you growing? Any gardeners in the room? A any people got a little bit of a green thumb? Just raise your hand up a little bit. There there's two kinds of things that can grow in your yard, correct? <laughs> there's, there, there's weeds, and then there's like, you know, healthy plants, right? And sometimes those weeds are Sometimes the poisonous stuff can look just like the real stuff, right? I want to show you a picture on the screen. Let's take a look at this. What do we got here, folks? This is not a trick question, so don't be like, oh, my, he's setting me up. <laughs> okay. what, what do we have on the screen? An apple. Thank you. We do. All right. In my opinion, the best apple. I like the green ones. Some of you are like, no, the green ones are by far the best, um, in my personal opinion. We have an apple tree. If you take an apple seed and you plant it into the ground and you water it and you mend it and you give it time and you allow it to grow, over a period
period of years, you will eventually get this. This is the natural end result of the apple tree growing from the ground. It will produce an apple fruit, correct? It looks delicious, it looks healthy, and it is delicious, and it is healthy. Especially like, I know it's not really an apple, but you know what I'm talking about, like, like Halloween starts to come around and they've got the little caramel apple suckers. Oh my goodness. Those things, I know it's not fruit, but it's close for me, right? It, I, it counts. The effort's there, the, the desire, I'm joking. Well, I want to show you one more picture. Now this is not an apple. This is from the, this is my best shot at, manchineal. This is fruit from the manchineal tree, okay? It looks like an apple. It looks delicious. It has grown from the ground. It has produced this fruit. But the manchineal tree is described by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most dangerous tree in the world. The manchineal fruit isn't just poisonous, but the tree itself, the tree is toxic that pretty much every part of it can royally mess you up. To touch the milky sap that oozes from the tree will blister and burn your skin on contact. Yeah, and if you're like, oh, this popped up in my yard, I think I'm just going to chop it down and burn it. Don't do that. The fumes from the burning branches and leaves can cause and lead to blindness if you happen to be downwind from the poisonous bonfire. Like if it rains, like it, it, um, I think it even says this on this, whatever you do, don't even stand underneath the tree when it rains because the rains, if it hits like the drops and it drips down on you, it'll cause your skin to burn. I know. I'm thankful that I don't think these are anywhere near us in Indiana. <laughs> I'm like terrified of a tree. <laughs> a new thing to add to the list. <laughs> what are you scared of? Sharks and trees. Um, uh, like <laughs> But I want you to think about this. The Guinness Book of Regards describes this as the most dangerous tree on the planet. What we grow is based on the seed that is planted in us. What comes up out of the ground is a reflection of what's underneath the ground. There's two different types of things you can grow. And Paul's basically saying this. He, he's challenging us to say, listen, if you pursue your own desires, you're going to grow some stuff. It's not going to be good stuff, but you're going to grow some stuff. And he gives us a list of those things. But he also says, though, that we have another option of what we can grow. The question we have, though, is ultimately what desire are we going to pursue? See, the gospel is about more than just salvation. Please hear me today. The gospel is about more than just salvation. It's what produces life transformation. Read this verse with me. It'll be on the screen here in just a second. And it, he goes on to say this. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, not walk by my desires, not walk by Josh Johnson's human reasoning, not walk by what I think is right. <laughs> that would be a problem. Um, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, they are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit, they are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, last week we talked about this. There was a shift that's taking place. For the first, like, nine weeks that we've been in this series, 
Paul has been in every conceivable way that he can pointing us to the truth of, let me show you why this false teaching is wrong, okay? We talked about that and we said it's called orthodoxy. What that means is, that word orthodoxy means right belief. He's fighting for what is true, what we should correctly believe. But now towards the end of this book, he's shifting to something that's called orthopraxy. And what that means is right practice. Because we talked about this, right? If you're disciplining your kids, there's two aspects to it. One, I want them to know what's, what they're doing is wrong. But I also want them to know what it looks like to live the correct way. And Paul is challenging us now at the end of this book, and he's moving us towards not just believing the right things, but living out the right things. And the contention of the Judaizers, the people, the false teachers that come in, they're saying, if you follow the teachings of Paul, you're going to just live a life of wanton sin. Because he's telling you that God's grace and his love is so good and so deep and so wide that he's just freeing you to sin however you want. Paul's going, hold the phone. (laughs) I am not teaching that. And that is not the case. He's saying if you truly accept the gospel, the gospel, not the law, is the only thing that can change you from the inside out. And he's going to prove it to them and he's going to show them we're going to see that even today. Not only will the gospel not push people to sin more, it's the only means for true life change. You see, The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's more than just what saves us. The gospel is what daily changes us. It makes us more like him. It refines us from the inside out. So the question is then, how does Paul do this? How does he show this? See, he proves that life change comes from the roots, not the branches. Let me say that again. He proves that life change comes from the roots, not the branches. I'm not going to question your intelligence, but I'm going to do a simple test with you. If I have a manchineal tree growing here right now and I chop a couple limbs off, what's going to happen? Huh? Well, it might hurt. It might ooze on me, but am I going to now grow apples from that tree? No. The branches that are going to grow in its place are going to grow what? Manchineal fruit. I chop a few more branches off and a few more branches off, but I don't completely kill it at the roots. It's going to continue to grow the exact same fruit. The only way to get something different is I have to pull it up from the roots and plant something different. Okay? The law looks at you and it goes, this act is wrong, and this act is wrong, and this act is wrong, but it doesn't have the ability to produce in you something that is right. The gospel does, because the gospel goes straight to our heart and says, what's the ultimate desire of your heart? Okay? See, the gospel addresses for us the war that's within. Let's read again. He says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, the gospel addresses the war within us. The gospel addresses the war with them. There's a, two natures inside every single one of us. There is flesh and there is spirit. And they are absolutely opposed to each other. You've probably had instances in your life where you have completely identified and felt this war taking place. 
It might be a sin. It might be a temptation. It might be um, a, a deep struggle that you've dealt with where you know I am desiring something that is 100% contrary to the word of God. And yet that desire is so strong and manifest there. It's like you feel that war at the very core of you. Paul is saying that in every single one of us, there is a war that takes place within. And what we grow determines on what desire we decide to feed. What we grow is based on the desire that we decide to feed. There's flesh and there's spirit, and both of them have desires. But both of their desires are actually contrary to each other. We see this, and we know this to be true. If you've ever been in, like, kids' church or around children, <laughs> you can see this at the earliest age possible, right? Kid one hits kid two. You say, tell them you're sorry. No. <laughs> Why would I do that? I intended to hit him, right? You know, it's like, like, we have this in us at the very, like, the youngest age we can think of. Like, there's a part of us that longs to do things we shouldn't do. You know, we used, like, the wet paint example. Or, like, you, you go somewhere and it's like, don't step in this area. Because, like, and we're like, hmm. <laughs> it seems safe. You know, we're, we're, like, there's, there's a, this part of us that is contrary. But what I want you to realize is this. Um, to live by one desire and to choose to gratify it is also to say no to the other and to choose to starve it. See, to live by the flesh is to live in sin. It's to engage, to indulge in the desire and the nature that's in us that our flesh hungrily desires. And in doing so, we're also saying, God, no thank you to who you are. I would rather feed what I want. I would rather feed what I desire. Can, can I tell you something? It, in the short run, sin is very pleasurable. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Absolutely. Sin is beyond pleasurable in the short run. From what I hear, eating that manchineal fruit, actually it tastes sweet to begin with. Now, I don't know who's tasted that. <laughs> Like, it's like, sir, tell us how this tastes right before you die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? It does. In the short run, sin can seem and taste delicious. It can be very pleasurable. The problem is, is that it also carries with it an afterbite of poison. That's why the word of God is there. It's not just to say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Like, God is not up there just like a do and don't God going, I can't believe they did it again. They broke my list. No. God's commands are there because he loves you so much, just like you as a parent. Like, I don't ever applaud my children when they run across the road without looking both ways. I don't go, great job, Jason. Man, you made it. No car hit you today. Congrats, buddy. You should try tomorrow. Right? That's a terrible parenting. No, instead, I discipline my kid because... Yeah, it's not some arbitrary rule. I don't want him to be a pancake, right? God loves you so much that he sees the end result of sin. He knows what that's going to do to you. So this is what we find is that to say yes to sin is to say no to God, but to say yes to God is also to say no to sin. To live by the Spirit says, God, I want my life to be lived based on your desires, not mine. Your plans not mine. And the problem is, is that there's a battleground. That battleground is our heart. 
You see, this battle, this war that's taking place, it's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. Listen to what the book of James says. James is writing in chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Listen very carefully. He says, remember when you're being tempted. So he's not saying if or maybe. He's saying remember when because you're going to be tempted. Remember, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he will never ever tempt anyone else. God will never tempt you to sin. He's too good. He's too loving. Instead, he constantly throws every out that he can to rescue you from sin. He says, God will never tempt you to sin. But temptation comes from our own desires. It doesn't say temptation comes every single time from the enemy. Now, the enemy can. Most certainly, the enemy can tempt us. But the truth is this, is that oftentimes temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, and they drag us away these desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow it will give birth to death let me prove this to you see the truth is this that desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are, are against the flesh they're opponents they're adversary they're hostile towards each other and, and there's a real war within us of real desire that takes place and we need to understand desire let me prove it to you. I'm going to show you. Let's move to the next picture. There is inside some of you the desire for a salad. Now, I went online and I Googled and I said, world's best salad, and this picture came up. I have no idea if that's true. Those of you who are salad eaters, you'll have to tell me, does that look like a yummy salad? It does? Okay. I wouldn't know. I've never had one. Here's the thing. I'm being serious. I've never had a salad my entire life. Um, I could be set down in front of a TV and I could watch the greatest marketing ad for a salad that has ever been created. They could have spent $100 million creating that commercial. And you could pop that thing in front of me. And guess what is not going to happen inside Josh Johnson? I'm not getting up. I'm not getting the car. And I'm not going to go buy a salad. You could give me your best marketing person that has ever been born. And they could show me the most delicious salad. And I'm like, oh, cool. Not happening. <laughs> because the desire is not there in my heart. Now let's go to the next picture. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, here's the thing. <laughs> you could take the worst marketer. In the entire world. You could take a commercial from the 1970s, play that puppy in front of me about a steak, and I'm like, oh, babe, get the keys. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like that because the desire is there. It's already present in my heart and in my life. See, one will motivate me and one will not. I cannot be motivated to eat a salad because the desire is not there, but it takes little effort to get me to want a steak because that desire is there and it's strong. The word here for desire is epithumia, and it means over-desire, an inordinate desire, an all-controlling drive and longing. Other translations will replace the word desire there. I think I just knocked that over. With lust, this is talking about a powerful desire. The, the lust of the flesh, the over-desires of my heart. I don't know if you're fully aware of this, but the gospel says about every single one of us that there are desires in our heart that are so strong that are also completely contrary to the word of God. 
That's why I need a savior. That's why you need a savior. I don't know about you, but I, I have found myself before at the end of my desires, and it's not a pretty picture. It's not a good place to be. You see, our lives will be defined by what we desire and what we choose to pursue. David Paulison, the commentator, he says this, if idolatry is the characteristic and the summary Old Testament word for our drift from God, then desires is the characteristic and summary New Testament word for that same drift. The New Testament merges the concept of idolatry and the concept of inordinate life-ruling desires, lust, craving, yearning, and greedy demand. Our drift is based on that. Craig Rochelle says it this way, and I love it. He says this, what you feed grows, and what you starve dies. We are ruled by desire many times. I've got this dog at my house, and her name is Honey. Honey's a uh, rather large dog. By that, I mean she's fat. Um, her entire life, every moment of her being is thinking about food. <laughs> she will literally run outside, like push the door open as best she can to try to run away. Not because she wants to run away from us, but because she knows the only way we can get her back is to say treat. She'll be like a quarter mile down the road and we'll be like treat. And it's like <laughs> right back straight towards the house because her mind is ruled by that desire. When I wake up in the morning and I let her out to use the bathroom, when she comes in, she's literally dancing, waiting on me to feed her. She is ruled by this desire because, and because of that, we have fed her and she's grown, okay? But what we feed grows and what we starve dies. But I want you to notice this. The law cannot change us. The law cannot change us because here's why. The law is there to show us that we're broken, okay? Let's go back to the mansion hill tree. The law addresses the branches, but not necessarily the seed, the root. I could go to that mansion tree, and I, and I could go, this tree is poisonous. It's dangerous. It could hurt people. So let me start lobbing off some branches, and I can start cutting them off. I can cut it down, but if I don't take care of the root, if I don't pull out that seed, if I don't pull it from the very bedrock and plant something else in its place, what's going to naturally happen over time? It's going to grow again, and it's going to grow the same fruit again. It's going to grow that poisonous fruit. It's going to grow it in our life. And this is what we do as Christians sometimes. We go to the law and we think somehow that it can like save us. And we're like, oh man, I'm really struggling with selfishness or with jealousy or with greed or with envy. I really want what that person's have. God, so can you please just remove the envy from me? God, I, I just want to not deal with this jealousy anymore. I just want, and listen, those are all great prayers, but here's the problem with it. We're wanting one thing necessarily removed, but we're not wanting to go back to the root. We're not allowing the gospel to go, Josh. Why did you ever think that that thing your neighbor has could fulfill you? I alone can. I'm the thing that your heart has been desiring for so long that you're trying to find in other things, other places, and other people. Come back to me. Make me the treasure of your heart. See, what happens in that moment then is I'm ripping out the root, but I'm also planting a different seed. I'm not just trying to stop something. I'm trying to start something. God, be my treasure again. You see, the law, it cannot change us. But 
because it's often dealing with actions, not desire. And what Paul is showing is that external change does not matter. It's internal change. How many of you have ever met a person that they can look good on the surface? Right? They can play the part, but underneath there, See, that's what the gospel addresses. It doesn't care what you look like, the mask that you put on. It doesn't care that the gospel shoots straight for the heart. Paul is saying that the only thing that can change us is the gospel. See, to embrace the gospel is to embrace what the Spirit desires. And this is what will bring life change. To embrace the gospel is to also embrace what the Holy Spirit desires, the things of God. This is the only thing that can change our life. So the question is, what does the Spirit long for? And the Spirit longs that our life would be a display of Jesus. The Spirit longs that our life would be a display of Jesus. The Spirit longs to show us Christ. The Spirit longs to conform us to Christ. The Spirit longs to change us from the inmost being so that our desires now reflect what God desires. See, there's been a lot of bad Christianity that, like, um, you, you've heard, like, like, if you pray this prayer, God will guarantee give it to you because of this one Bible verse. See, the problem with that is it says that whenever we pray in alignment with the will of God, it will be done. When I start praying what the Spirit prays for, it's going to happen. But when Josh Johnson goes, God, give me a convertible, <laughs> the, the Bible does not say God's going to be like, oh, Josh Johnson convertible. It does not work that way. Right. But when I start praying and this is what I love when we this is church, when we pray for people who are far from God, you know why we pray that? Because God answers that because that's in alignment directly with what his spirit prays for. Because God longs to see lives changed and stories altered. You see, the spirit longs to conform us to Christ and the Christian. Longs for that, too. Those of us who have said yes to the gospel. We are saying, God, I want my life to reflect you. The Spirit will keep us from doing the things that we want to do that are contrary to God. See, Paul later will say, in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I find another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. Living the way of the Spirit is what we most deeply want, but we realize that the flesh wages war against it. So going back to, again, what has the power to change you? The law is outward focused. It's looking at the branches. And Paul's saying, if we go back to this, if you go back to thinking you can save yourself, if you go back to thinking that by doing a bunch of really good things or trying to do, if you think that's going to change you, your life is going to be so focused on just you, you're never going to even see anybody else. The law looks at the branch and it says, hey, this branch is of a mansionale tree. It's poisonous. It shouldn't be there. So let's chop it off. Hope it won't come back. It's gonna. We can and we will stay there the rest of our lives each year just chopping off branch, chopping off branch, chopping off branch because we'll never get to the root. The gospel says, let me plant something in you that'll grow. Something that'll grow some good things. It's inward focused, not outward focused. It says the issue is not even necessarily your actions, though they're wrong whenever we, when I pursue Josh Johnson's great will for my life from the flesh, ooh, it's going to produce a lot of <laughs> bad things. I don't know about you, but I find in my own heart that I'm easily and quickly able to switch on selfishness. I can start thinking about me and not caring about other people. I can start thinking about what I want and ways I can get that I want. And then I'm like, well, suddenly I can justify just about anything that I want to do to get what I want. 
It doesn't matter if it harms you or harms someone else, because if all I care about is me and my selfishness, then I'm going to start growing some things. I'm going to start wounding some people. I'm going to start hurting to get what I want. But if the gospel's growing in me, and I'm saying yes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes, Josh, do you realize all that I've accomplished and done for you? Do you realize how I've blessed you and cared for you? See, the gospel focuses on the very core of my heart, the inner desires. Now, I still prune the branches. <laughs> but I'm doing so as a means to change and to foster health and growth. The seed needs changed. The gospel produces life. And in the pursuit of the spirit, it prunes and gives us greater life. The truth is this. We grow as we battle. Let me say that again. We grow as we battle. When you're saying yes to the Holy Spirit, you're also saying no to your selfish desires. And in that moment, there's a war. But as you continually say yes to the Spirit, you're growing. We grow as we battle. It looks like this. Number one, it places Christ as our treasure. You see, it's moving God onto the throne room of my life rather than Josh Johnson. Because I tell you what, it's very easy for me sometimes to want to take the throne back. <laughs> I'm like, I know what I want. Right? It's very easy to want to just plant myself on the throne. But as I put Christ as the greatest treasure of my life, as I treasure his presence, his word, and his voice, I'm doing battle against my flesh. Number two happens through submission and surrender. And these are only possible when we are aware of how deeply loved we are. If we think that submission and sum surrender can come from like a checklist of to-dos, that just doesn't work. But as I realize the height, the width, the depth of God's love for me, as I start to treasure him as the all-consuming greatest pursuit of my life, then I can naturally start living in step with the spirit because I'm living from a place of being loved rather than living from a place of trying to deserve to be loved. And there's a big difference between those two. If I think I have to earn his love, it is strive, work, effort, exhaustion. But if I live out my faith because I know how deeply loved I am, it's pleasure. It's beauty. And then we follow where he leads. We need to put to death the wrong desires by pursuing the right desires. And this is where we get to the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the truth is this. Fruit is proof. I could take you up to a mansion hill tree, and you could try to do everything you could to convince me that it's an apple tree. <laughs> if you hated me. Um, <laughs> come take a bite, Pastor Josh. <laughs> but here's the thing. The fruit is the proof. Right? I walk up to the tree and I touch the tree and suddenly, ah, that sap really burnt me. I got a blister on my finger. Oh, no, but it's an apple tree. I don't think so. <laughs> like, I, just, I just touched the fruit. I, I just touched the tree. I, I realize there's, the fruit is the proof. Where there is true saving faith, there is also fruit growing. 
How is the fruit produced? But it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. If I live based on me, I'm going to grow some stuff. The problem is it's going to be poison. And if you taste it from my life, it's going to damage you. If I live selfishly, if all I care about is me, guess what? My interactions with you are going to maim and wound you. It's going to taste like mansion eel fruit. As you sample my life, you're like, ooh, man, all he cares about is himself. I mean, he lives just for his own pleasure. All he cares about is Josh Johnson. Did, did you hear him talk about me behind my back? Like, he wants my job. He wants this promotion, and he thinks if he dogs me, then somehow he can get it. Like, all he cares about is himself. But because what they're doing is they're, they're sampling a life that is consumed with itself. They're sampling poison. But Paul says... If we will allow the gospel to take root in our heart, it's going to grow love. It's going to grow joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does the apple tree taste the apples? Have you ever seen an apple tree start eating its own hand? <laughs> it would be kind of, it would be like a horror movie. That'd be kind of creepy. <laughs> you just see a tree, it's like, mwah, mwah, eating its own branch. That'd be a problem. No. The people who sample an apple tree is other people. You know who samples your life? The people you come into contact with. You know who knows whether or not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are going? <laughs> the people who are really close to me, my family. Because they sample my life more than anybody else. They can see whether or not I've been in step with the spirit, the fruit is proof. If you take a seed and you plant it and you water it and you maintain it, a tree will grow and it will eventually display fruit. The apple is proof that a seed was planted and an apple tree surfaced. What the tree grows is proof of what's underneath the surface. What our lives grow proves if we've believed the gospel. Jesus said that you will know them by their fruit. Our connectedness to Christ will naturally grow in us qualities that reflect Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These grow because we're connected to Jesus. Listen to me. We'll look at one of those and we'll be like, God, I'm really struggling with patience. Can you give me the gift of patience? Can I tell you something? You know how we grow in patience? By being connected to Christ. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Peace isn't just like this arbitrary gift that he gives. It comes from our connectedness to our Savior. I'm able to be at peace with myself and with others when I realize that the war is over. I do not have to earn man's favor. And I have already been freely given God's favor. I don't have to be at war with you to get what I want. 
because Christ has already blessed me. You know how I show love? When I realize how deeply loved by God I am. You know where I find my sense of joy? The joy of the Lord is my strength as I'm connected to Jesus and I realize what he has declared over me. When I realize that the gospel calls me a son of the king, it grows from our connectedness to Jesus. We draw life from our connectedness to Christ as the Spirit reveals Jesus to us, as we pray, as we dive into God's word, as we know him more, as we get connected to him. So I want to end with this. I want us to understand this growth. I don't want to overstep my balance here, but I want you to think about this with me. Does it, if you plant an apple seed today, are you harvesting apples tomorrow? No. Growth is gradual. It takes planting, it takes cultivation, it takes time. Some of you in this room, um, there are certain aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. You're like looking at that list and you're like, God, <laughs> I could use some of that. <laughs> it takes some time. It takes daily getting into his word. You're not going to get an apple tree if you water it once a year. That seed might barely be surviving by the next year. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing, it ain't sprouting much. It takes daily cultivation as you're growing it. Listen, we need to be people of God who are daily in his word, daily praying, daily saying, Holy Spirit, would you shape me? Holy Spirit, would you come into my life? Would you reveal Jesus to me? Would you once again let Christ be the greatest treasure of my heart holy spirit will you take i i know the war within god i know my desire i know that i want to long for the things that are completely opposite of what you are would you refine me by your spirit would you change me and make me like you and can i tell you something too is that a lot of times too we're the worst at seeing the growth in our own life we can become so frustrated sometimes like man i'm not where i need to be in my relationship with god i'm not you're going to feel that the whole the rest of your life can you pause for a moment today and just realize what God's already brought you through? Oh man, come on. If you're here today in this room, God's at work in your life. He's growing something. Sometimes we're the worst at seeing it in our own life because we want that apple tree today. <laughs> I know I do. Oh my God, I want to see that apple tree now. But it takes time. Growth's also inevitable. If we're truly following Christ, if we've truly accepted the gospel, fruit will grow. But it's going to grow because our roots and what we've planted. You see, we have to change deep at our heart level the greatest pursuit of our life. Let me ask you this today. That's what Paul's challenging. He's saying, listen, the gospel is not just addressing the things you've done wrong. It's challenging you to place Christ as the core of your heart. Is Christ the treasure of your heart? Is he your greatest desire? Does he have all of your life? See, changes in desires from wanting to act towards what we want to wanting to cultivate fruit growing in our heart is what it's about. We need to care about the soil 
fruit doesn't give life. Fruit is a sign of life. You could tie apples to an apple tree, but that doesn't mean that it's alive. It has to actually be growing those apples. If that tree is dead and you're just tying it to the branches, it's still a dead tree. It has to be growing it. See, the only test that the Spirit has truly indwelled you as a child of God is growth in the fruit of the Spirit. And it's symmetrical. You don't just get one part of the fruit of the Spirit without growing in the other parts. It's not like you can go, well, I would really love to grow in love, but that self-control thing, we'll work on that later. (laughs) The Spirit's growing in our life. He's wanting to grow all of it. He's wanting to naturally change us and make us more like Him. Fruits fruit is meant to be tasted oh if we in the church could grasp this concept next week we're going to tackle a really tough section that's vital for the church but doing it wrong has caused a lot of hurt people we're going to talk about gospel confrontation how do we help each other whenever we're stumbling, when we're broken. Can I tell you something? A lot of people, maybe you're here today, they've been scared of the church. They've hated walking through the church doors because they've been so wounded and hurt by someone. If you today are here and you have a deep core wound in your heart because someone in the church has hurt you, can I just take a moment and say, number one, I'm sorry for what happened. Please hear me. Jesus loves you. He is for you, not against you. Come back home. Okay? See, the truth is this. You sample my life. And so it's so important that I'm allowing the Spirit to grow Jesus in me because a lot of times the Jesus that people are going to experience first is going to come from my actions, my decisions, how I love them, how I have forgiven them, how I have shown them grace, how I have shown them mercy. And I can only show them those things when I realize how deeply Christ has shown me those things. I can forgive well when I realize how forgiven I am. I can show mercy when I realize how much mercy I've received. Okay? My life is meant to be sampled and so is yours. There's people in your family. There's people in this city. There's people in your group of friends, there's people at your work that they have not tasted in a long time the love of Jesus because the people who professed Jesus have handed them some manchineal fruit. Can we stop doing that? Can we instead reveal Christ through our life? But today, are you growing? in your relationship with God? Are you saying, God, you have all of me? Are you putting to death the desires of the flesh? Or are you saying yes to them? Let me just tell you something. Listen, this is your pastor's heart coming out right now. I love you. I love you so much that I have to tell you the truth. If you pursue the desires of the flesh, listen, I will be there for you when you hit rock bottom. I will promise you that but it's going to be a messy road back up it's going to be painful it's going to be brutal 
Because the truth is this, when we pursue sin with the every aspect of our life, it will inevitably steal, kill, and destroy. It just does. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life. Right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. I've come to grow in you love. I've come. The best things in life come from our relationship. There's never been a single moment in my life where I've had an altar experience with God where I've walked away feeling shame. There's never a moment where I walked away going, that was wasted time. There's never a moment where I've pursued the presence of Jesus, where he's grown in me, that I've been like, you know what? That was just really wasted energy. No, I walk away infused with power, ready to take on the world. And that's what we need. We need believers who are constantly, every day saying, yes, Holy Spirit, grow in me, Jesus. Let people taste his love through my life. Let joy come out of me because I've received it from you. But listen to me, you can't grow it. You have to receive it from him. Today, we have to receive the fullness of God by saying, God, I want you. I need you. I want all of you. Would you do that for me? Would you stand this morning? Worship team, if you want to take the stage. We're going to close in worship. I, what a perfect fitting end. If every head would bow and every eye would close. This is a moment between you and the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything at all like that. Because right now I know that I know that I know there's a war going on in this room. There's many people in this room right now that you love Jesus and you want to grow in him, but you also feel that war within you. There is something in your life that should not be there right now. There is a desire that is pulling, or as James says, it is trying to drag you away. And it's coming from inside you. And it's contrary to God and his word. Again, I'm not, I'm not asking for any hands today. What I'm asking you to do, though, is to make war because we grow as we battle. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. And so what I'm asking you today is to start starving that desire. Maybe no one else has ever told you. Maybe some of your friends have been like, no, 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 you need to get what you want. <laughs> Can I tell you that that's a dangerous game plan? What we need is the love of Jesus alive in us. And so what I'm asking you this morning is, number one, Holy Spirit, would you reveal in our own hearts and lives those areas right now where there is that war of flesh and spirit and where the, the flesh is rearing its ugly head again, wanting to grow some things in us. I pray that we would see past just the desire to the things that it wants to grow and how those things are like manchineal fruit, that it can destroy us. But Lord... I don't want us to be people of the law. I want us to be people of grace. Lord, I don't want us to chop at manchineal branches. Lord, I want us to dig it up from the roots and say, Holy Spirit, would you plant a new seed? Would you plant the gospel? Jesus, would you revive my love for you? Would you make me, Lord, treasure you more than anything else? Would you grow in my eyes and in my sight? Would I see you as the all greatest pursuit of who I am. Jesus, would you return me to the place where I realize you're more than enough. That God, that, that in your presence is pleasures forevermore. That God, I want, I just want you. God, 
God, would you grow the gospel in me to such a degree that I long to reflect Jesus. And so that, Lord, as I put to death the ways of the flesh, I can do so because, Lord, I am running after you, Jesus. Lord, would you do that in us? Would you do that, Lord? Would you build our life on your love? Not on my efforts, not on what I can do or accomplish. Lord, I want you to change me. I want you to make me like you. And here's what I'm asking you to do. If ever I would look at me now. We've all come to grips. There, I, I bet almost every single one of us in here, there's something in your life you can point to right now, okay? So church, let's starve it. But let's starve it by feeding what matters. Let's feed and pursue what the Spirit desires. God, let Him grow in our hearts and our lives. Let Him make us more like Him. Because here's what I know. There's going to come a day when in this room maybe there will be a casket brought out and it's going to be mine. There's going to be coming up someone who stands and they're going to speak about my life. And you know what I want? I want them to go, you know what? This is Josh Johnson. I sampled his life. I tasted it. And there was just something about it. I knew he was a little bit of a jerk, but, but, man, God did a work in him. I tasted love. I saw joy. There was peace that was there that didn't make sense, that when storms came, he held true, not because he was strong enough, because he wasn't, but because Christ was his anchor. I want that for my life. But if that's going to happen, i got to feed what matters. i got to feed the Spirit. i got to feed it in my heart and life. i got to say, Holy Spirit, would you grow in me? And i got to starve what Josh Johnson wants, because let me tell you what, what Josh Johnson wants will destroy him. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for us that we would be people who build our life on your love. Jesus, would you grow in us a desire to do what the Spirit desires. God, would you grow in us a heart that says, God, I want you to grow and build my life upon you because that's where true life is found. And would you change me and make me like you as I pursue you in the name of Jesus. If that's your prayer this morning as we sing this song, will you make it a prayer, an anthem of your heart, God? Let me build my life.